0: Oh! Hello and welcome to the Gossip Stone Podcast, where we cover Ocarina of Time Randomizer. Uh, We focus primarily on the racing scene and also the competitive side of things, as well as other related topics uh, for the community as a whole. And for today's episode, we'll be giving you a rundown
1: of the Season 3 Tournament, uh, focusing on the highlights and a few final matches leading to the crowning moment of our new champion, also, we're going to get a new co-host today, um, and he'll get to introduce himself later when we cover the main topic. But first, as always, we'll be talking about the weekly races from this past week.
0: And before that, we'll just do a quick shout-out here to Shadow for all the behind-the-scenes work that he does uh, as our main editor. Um, and yeah, thanks for being there, Shadow. And also for this week, we'll be recording in two separate sessions uh, for the episode. So we'll have me and Riley covering the the weeklies here. And then for the main topic, it'll be Yoshi, Riley, and our new co hosts. So stay tuned for that.
1: So uh, let's get right along to the rando recap, shall we? So starting off with the NA Weekly. Um, This one was weird, but not. Like you had like pretty awkward way of the heroes like throughout. Barons were kind of weird, hints were kind of weird. Like you know like, but it was not like really hard seed.
0: What are your thoughts? Um, overall, I think it was fine. Um, there's really not a whole lot that was like, kind of just outrageously bad. Uh, it's been a kind of rough couple of past weeks where. The weeklies have just been, like, just the the worst of the worst, almost. Just comically bad um, in a lot of different yeah. different ways. Uh, Shout-outs to George, by the way, for being <laughs> the restreamer. Um, <laughs> that caused so much pain with his Um seeds. But
1: this one was kind of, like, in the middle of, like, bad and, like, too quick, I feel. You got, like, a few decent It's Like, you had Dodongo's cavern wave here for Dens, which, I mean, sometimes can be for, like, Spirit Key Logic, but this time it was for stone shadow uh because long shot was all the way back in the in the back of shadow and you had crater for zl which is like the most boring thing ever but then you had temple of time after beating i want to say uh, fire temple where after that you got epona's way there from temple of time and at the time uh you were thinking okay epona way there was interesting because you only had one hook shot, so you were th- Maybe it's locking the long shot, maybe it's just in, to cross to over to spirits, because spirit was had to be done as well. Uh so get over to GTG, enter GTG, you get Rudos letter there, which is interesting because we also had an Ice Cavern Away the Hero. But Ice Cavern Away the Hero was very likely for a song. We're still missing like Requiem for Spirit Key Logic and that's it's always a hard decision to whether to commit to AD or not. When you're right there, you could cross the wasteland. If it's not AD, you're, you're set. But then going Ice Cavern for Requiem sometimes is useless as well. It's kind of a hard 50-50, almost. Oh, what do you think about that, Emo?
0: I mean, it could also depends if you think you're going to run into items. depends on how many areas you've been to in the game that you know you've seen items already it depends on how many items away from go mode are you and then also how badly do you think you need that song how likely is it that you need that song from ice cavern what could the song be how many songs have you checked already there's a lot of things that go into this um that for for me personally um you know progression's still number one for me i'm still going to go to all my progression dungeons pretty much as soon as i can In some scenarios, I would like to wait until I can full clear it, but it's usually if I know it's going to be like a barren kind of a situation like Forest was in the Seed. So obviously, a lot of people put that off. Um, I think it was also... It was Spirit Medallion, though, which is the weird thing with Temple of Time. Way the hero. Could just be an item on Lax, um, or it could just be for Epona. Um, But from doing Fire and getting the Hammer and Kakuri sword chest of all things <laughs> and then bombs and mitos like it was kind of a i don't know it was like a almost like a jet seed but it, it wasn't, wasn't it, really yeah, because, like I said, it's kind time. of like in a
1: weird middle ground where it kind of was because you got like like i said the only thing that could be like danced for a long shot and deep shadow yeah like but it's not really hard uh the only other thing that got a lot of people's that you got had a lake with here for the whole scene and then people like okay what could be there like everybody was just basically missing bow and iron boots at the end and you had to get both scales and one was adult goron city left side maze and then the other one was in uh, on Skulkin and lost woods
0: yeah it's like my number my number two in seeds is is uh they just clearing your way the heroes going to aggressively do your way the hero location so for me i aggressively went to lake after finding the lake hint and, and found i yeah, think nothing is absolutely as nothing there okay and then I pretty much immediately pushed Adult Lake because I'm missing a few items. I can't really clear any dungeons at the moment. Okay, I'll just push it and probably find an item. Maybe right, my right, bow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh... I did the same thing uh, when I got the scale in this one.
1: Because I got the scale in Lost Woods. Oh, crap. Uh, okay, I'm only missing the bow now. Because, I mean, we had long shots. So we could. Like, there's a possibility to just go to a gold scale water. But. Then I Twisters on Lab Dive for the ultimate troll, which were definitely not needed if you knew how to do Gold Scale Water, which kind of sucks. But
0: with an early explosive like this had, and even like Hammer too, um, it almost felt like it was pushing you towards Field. So going south as an opener, and then to Lake, if you know Lake's the way the hero. Even if you don't do that opener, you just you're kind of pushing that direction. I feel like for this one. We had Serenade fairly
1: early, so it's not
0: the worst. No, it was it was okay.
1: Um, Speaking of earliest, we also had three three. We had three strengths like sub thirty minutes. It was kind of crazy because first one was at the on second one was Shield Grave, and the third one was Crater Fairy. Mm-hmm. So it was like getting early strengths like this kind of makes people go towards GTG and. That kind of help with the seed because you got a pona way here. Most of the people should have at least strength two, if not strength three already. So everybody, I most people probably just get a and go straight to, G T G.
0: Yeah, I think the bow location really wasn't the greatest, being in pottery. I think in Child Gorn City. Yeah,
1: spinning. Uh, yeah, there's only two bows available. The other one I think was in cannons. Uh, yeah. So for- so basically. You only get the bow late, if you, unless you do early adult. Because if you do early adult, you're going to come back to Lost Woods, and you since you got ZL from uh, I think it was in the windmill this one, you get your bow pretty early when you do Lost Woods cleanup. But if you don't, then you got to do it like in a super late cleanup. So that bow got
0: those bow got a lot of people. Yeah, for me, it's like GTG and, and I kind of have a strained relationship. It's like the one dungeon. I don't I don't hate it, and I don't love it at the same time because I've gotten so burned by it in the past, um, just like kind of rushing it because, oh, look at all the, the items in GTG. Oh, it probably has like at least one item, right? <laughs> um, so for now, like I didn't have bow, and I was crossing wasteland out of logic. Like I was just like I was in a weird spot didn't really want to go into gtg for like nothing and like get locked out or okay it's strength two is like i guess i had strength two at that point so it's really just the bow that pushed me away from gtg if anything um and it it really punished me this seed but overall i think it it was okay it's just really ice cavern when do you push it and uh, whether or not you go early adult or three song in the seed, I think leads to slightly easier paths. But overall, I didn't think it really mattered a whole lot. And uh, Riley, you you won the seed. <laughs> I did win this one. Uh, 2.40 uh, at 40. A nice finish time, sub three. And this is your third weekly win.
1: Yep. This is my third weekly win in a row and i don't know it's it's weird <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: never won a weekly until last weekend and then i win three in a row it's pretty surreal but let's not dwell on that for too long let's move on over to the eu weekly where <laughs> oh boy this
0: one was a mess pretty trashy it's <laughs> pretty trashy scene on the EU weekly side yeah <laughs> Uh, this is early bottleneck here Rudo's letter on the chickens uh kind of controversial as far as like checks go and ocarina time rando it's a lot of people dislike it um some people even skip it indefinitely until it's their last location it's not an uncommon thing it's definitely out there um but it, it is kind of hard to route into but outside of that once you did get letter it's not too bad but back uh the open grotto and kakariko had a skull mask hint for bow which it's it's an interesting point in the seed to get it if you go early adult you you find the skull mask hint for bow and if you do like a three song plus deku and then kakariko child before you go adult and you find that yeah,
1: it'll especially happen like the seed did, where your only best way to get to market back as child was through Nocturne. So, you get, you like, a lot of, like, some people did chickens there, so they got their letter, but they also got the skull mask in, in the back. And it becomes a question, like, because the, the, the skull mask had a bow. And it becomes a question of, do you push it right away? Because I think we only had Nocturne, no Serenator Prelude. Um, If it's a bow. <sighs> Maybe it's not the best idea. I think you should probably do a quick adult dip, even if it's just for the songs. The bow doesn't lock enough to it for it to matter, I think. So making the play is pretty
0: risky, I want to say, generally. Yeah, I would agree with that. Largely, I think it depends on what your medallion layout is. Do you remember what that was for this one?
1: Uh... I mean, it was eighty in the end, so it didn't really matter. Spoilers, but <laughs> we definitely had a. It was stone, water, jabu, and fire. That's all I think. <laughs> that's the most important part, I think. And so, uh, basically, the rest was. You
0: started with a meds. Right, so so for me, it's bow for medallion an forest, and that's pretty early in the seed that a, a bow is being given to you, and it's being hinted, so. Do with that information what you will, but for me, I would probably rush it too. Uh, had I played that seed, I didn't play this one. Um, my alarm clock didn't go off. <laughs> kind of saved me from the trouble of playing this one, but, uh, but yeah. In the end, the other two bows were just
1: super easy there was one in the uh higher art piece and river and the, the other one was in domain torch run where which if you turn in letter you couldn't really try the one because you didn't have explosives but like in your child two, you had plenty so and then you the bow was pretty useless in your adult one if you basically
0: went you did three song so it kind of sucks. but yeah. yeah and i think uh if you took that bow away from that hint and you replaced it with something else, um, how much better does it get? Like say a bomb bag was there or something like that. Do you do you still rush I, it? Do you do you put bomb it on? bag
1: I think is important enough, yeah. yeah. Cuz it makes your options in early adult or your adult which you should be going right after your three song um much more valuable since you can do like bomb trip bowling on the way. You can do all of st- either Medallion or Stone DC, whatever it is. So like, and just the, your general like, creator, like uh, Death Mountain area, your Goron area, like all of that is gets pretty important with a bomb bag.
0: Yeah, for me, that's definitely pointing to kind of an early Dodongos. And I, I don't know, Dodongos itself is kind of a weird dungeon now too, because I think like mid-turny for season three, there was still a lot of people that just didn't even touch Stone DC. And I, I still think that's the case. Um, but for for me, I just clear it anyway. I think it's just so
1: it's 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 fast enough that I don't think it's yeah. a big deal, even if it's nothing compared to some other stuff. But speaking of DC, uh, this one actually was way of the hero again, but it was way of the hero for a bomb bag. So you had to—I mean, the hammer was on Adult Anju, so it's nothing special, and then you just got bomb bag. I think it was in the map chest in Spirit, in uh, Spirit in DC, <laughs> and so that was really interesting. And then on top of that. You went ri- If you went river right after, you saw a bomb bag in river uh, the lower heartbeast river, so you're like... Okay, so if the bomb bag in DC is the way of the hero, that means that this bomb bag has to be locked by this bomb bag, right? Because that's how it works, so you had to lock hovers and scale. And for this one, you had a hook shot where Rudo's letter is, usually in, uh, in Lake. So you had to know, okay, this bomb bag is going to lock my scale, so I should probably push whatever's behind this which oddly enough both scales I th- the first one was in stone jabu uh the boomerang was in bomb true bowling and then the second scale was in icy waters. so
0: that was pretty crucial It's pretty scary scale placements and it really depends on when you do go to child lake i, I think right right because you can't really peek at it from
1: like because the scales were so deep, like you have to like have done some sort of field cleanup somewhere or like field valley opener or whatever you did. Which can happen. Some people do it after Deku like I did early Deku into field Valley Lake, which is not terrible play either. But this this seed was also weird because you had Stone Fire, Stone Jabu, and Stone Water. You got a hammer really early on Anju. ZL uh, was at uh, the windmill and you got Iron Boots, Way of the Hero, and Crater. So, this is where you get literally everything Way of the Hero. Uh, we had Requiem on AD, by the way, where you get Crater Way of the Hero for Iron Boots. For Usually, when you get Iron Boots in a Way of the Hero for Stone Water for Requiem on AD, you're like, okay, there's probably just a small key on Child Spirits. So, you just assume it's AD. But when you get all the items super early. Like, when is it right to commit to AD? Yeah,
0: it really depends on the song that's on OT, right? Nocturne always all dungeons, so you don't have to think about that. But like the two ones that stick out are Song of Storms and Requiem of Spirit. Like, it's it's always kind of a gray area, and you kind of have to take it seed by seed. But in general, I think it depends on. Like, if they're all hinted Way of the Hero items, you should just push whatever's behind those items. Um, It doesn't really matter that there's stone dungeons, and uh, getting the song on OOT is kind of just a nice bonus, you know, cherry on top. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. I don't feel so bad if the stone dungeon doesn't have anything, because at least it's working me towards this thing that I might actually need in the end. Um, Yeah. It just feels bad if that thing in the end is useless as well. Then you just kind of to Lose, but yeah, like I I mean it, it doesn't always depend on the song though, too. Sometimes it does depend on the way the heroes and where you find items right. and the logic. Yeah. So like I had a pickup race this week where um it was an all dungeon seeds and OOT was Sun Song. So of course you don't probably commit to that, and Graveyard wasn't Way the Hero. But it turned out to be All Dungeons because your strength two for medallion spirit was in Sun Song grave <laughs> in graveyard, so it's like kind of a disaster <laughs> in terms of uh, do I go for this? Do I not? Um, so it doesn't always depend on the song, but if you get something like minuet or bolero, uh, kind of throw those aside. And sometimes it's logical, all dungeons for like sorry is minuet, but in general, but like it can
1: happen, yeah, yeah,
0: storms and requiem are like the two kind of least specific and really depends on still think like how many areas have you done how many checks are open what's what what could happen in the seed, i think is what you should be asking yourself when you kind of encounter these uh two things right like
1: in this situation where you got iron boots and create a way there for stone water like okay you can assume ad but you uh ended up actually needing it because Your strength 2 was in Deep Stone Water on Dark Link. So, like, I mean, that's just, like, pretty ridiculous. Because it was also... Iron Boots were also way there for Requiem on AD, which locked up small key on Child Spirit. So, yeah. And then the seed's not not just done there. You also had to logically cross the wasteland to get Saria's. and wasteland, I think, was hinted at. And then had to go back child to get your long shot on Darunia and your mirror shield on Skull Kid, so you had to logically cross to get your long shot to do Stone Water to get Requiem. <laughs> so even if you didn't commit to the AD play and you cross, you you didn't really get punished. You like saw. So this one is like a weird one where you kind of got punished for pushing AD, but you also didn't like. It's like a weird middle ground where I think no matter what play you made, it kind of worked out in your favor.
0: Yeah, I think the fear is, like, what if you get locked out? How much time do you lose if you get locked out and realize it's all dungeons? At what point do you get locked out in the scene? And the efficiency of, like, kind of committing to all dungeons, uh, you can also just waste time there, too. Because if it's not, and, you know, there's three items in one dungeon or something like that, you're, you're just wasting time in the two, like, stone dungeons that you're clearing. And it'll just put you behind anyway. So, like, it, it kind of can go both ways there. Where like, even if you don't commit to it, you can waste time, and if you commit to it, you can waste time. Like, there's so, so many like pitfalls to fall into that. Um, I think it really, hmm, yeah, it's it's just tough. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's a randomizer, so like, you know, you're just gonna get got sometimes, and you can have to just deal with it. But um, as long as you can justify your plays and you know you're thinking about all of this stuff i think you'll be in better shape than not in most cases but uh th- this one was a treat to watch though for on the restream uh check it out if you haven't already it's on uh just the zelda speedruns twitch um really just watching uh, everyone suffer for this one is uh <laughs> cathartic to yeah say and the uh yeah, and in first place
1: for this EU weekly, it was a neko in a three twenty thirty two. So that's pretty rough time, uh, generally, averagely. Yeah. So for first yeah. place,
0: yeah, <laughs> on a weekly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And now, moving on to our main topic, where we will talk about how the end of Season 3 went. And for first, I'll introduce you to our new co-host, Chimpan Reeve.
2: Hey, everyone. Really excited to be here.
3: Alrighty, so I guess we should dive in first things first. Recapping one match we spoke about briefly, but we'll go over again. And two matches that we've not spoken about yet on the podcast. basically the three finals matches. We've got winners finals, losers finals, and grand finals to talk about. Uh, we did talk about briefly the winner's finals match between Marco and Benuru before, but I I'm definitely down to talk about this one again.
2: How can you not talk about the first match after the second match? you know it's just it's just a whole epic. <laughs> <laughs> it... Almost a trilogy of matches that are just unbelievably epic. So you have to talk about them all.
3: Right. And this match was arguably, I think, it, it, you know, not even that arguably, the best OTR match there has been. Just everything about this race was incredible. Um, the ups
1: and downs. Right. The they took calls they took completely
3: different routes they did wildly different things Bono went into bottom of the well while Marco ended up in forest and Marco found the light arrows but Bono got a strength upgrade and then they just took complete like Marco left Kakiri Forest and walked to Lake Hylia but Bono predicted that and went and did Gerudo Valley Loop and just from the mind games to the metagame reads to the decision making to the reading the logic, Marco picked up a bomb bag in Shadow and immediately left to go do bottom of the well
2: what a a moment (laughs) it was absolutely insane that, that sequence of thinking, well, Marco's out of this you know, it was a good run, but Marco's now going into losers and then dips Shadow, finds that bomb bag and you could almost see on screen the cogs twisting it's like, wait a minute, my cack way of the hero hasn't been fulfilled I should really go and do chickens.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was insane because that led him to the bottom of the well, which was basically what was keeping him from being even or on like close to Bono was him going there. So, mm-hmm.
3: And then, yeah, like, they'd ended up, if you listen to their post-race interview, it was just so telling about everything and how well these two runners knew each other going in because, yeah, like I say, Bono was like, oh, I knew you'd walk out of Kakiri Forest and go to Lake Hylia. And everyone's watching, like, why did anyone think that was a thing? That seemed like a really big decision at that point. That seemed like a, oh, wow, I'm really surprised to see someone doing this play right now. That's, um, you know, Bono was like, oh, I knew you'd have gone into forest during your early adult, so I avoided it for, like, the entire seed. And he got the light arrow hint for Forest Temple and picked up the song while getting them
2: yeah that that play going to i think it was a hover boots that were on child fishing or something like that mm-hmm. just the play of going there after forest seemed nuts it's like wait where is, where are they going what they're going to lake okay this is a really bold call it's gonna pay off for them because we knew what was there but yeah as you say just the fact that they just knew each other so well and knew what plays the other would make because of that, didn't want to be behind one another. It's like, well, if they've gone and done that and they found something, I'm screwed, so I need to actually catch up on that route. A little bit like, um, I know there was a really good Season 2 match with ATZ where he was like, you know what? I knew I hadn't done big pose, so I had to route big pose in on the way, otherwise I was going to lose if someone would have done big pose, you know? It was exactly the same as that. They just knew each other so well that if they skipped things that they knew the other person were done, they knew it was over. And it was crazy. The the The, the synergy they had in their thinking was nuts. And for the first sort of 20 minutes, maybe sort of 15-20 minutes, frame perfect. They were just doing things almost frame perfect. I remember them both going in to get the Zelda's lullaby check in the same frame. It was mental.
3: And like, as well, making that decision on which gambles they need to do because their opponent will have done it and which ones like bono saying you know oh i went to lake hylia because i knew you'd have done that but i skipped forest temple because i knew you'd have done that just that kind of level of decision making as well was just incredible and despite all of that despite them you know doing bottom of the well maybe an hour and a half apart like an hour apart they ended up 11 seconds difference in the finish
2: and that could have been closer, you know. It really could have been closer. Had had Marco not have got swiped by Ganon, it would have been two seconds. We're yeah, literally talking two they seconds. They went
1: into Ganondorf not even a second apart, I think. And then Marco got hit, or didn't hit the Ganondorf's ball back at him. So yeah, that's what it was.
3: There was also an amazing moment there, though, walking into the castle. Into Ganon's castle. It was like. The tiniest slip up could change the winner of this race right now. And just as that's being said, Bono yep. misses walks. the rainbow bridge and walks off the edge. There's yeah, your never, tiny splits. I'll never forget
2: that. It's for as long as I live. Just me, because all the, I remember at the time, chat and the, the other comms, they were like, you know what? nah, I, you know I think Marco's got this. I'm like, no way. Bono is like 30 seconds ahead. You can see it. Bono is 30 seconds ahead. He's already done the Iron Knuckles. He's already done the Stalfos. He's already been there. Marco's going up for the first time because uh, obviously he got Light Arrows from Forest Temple. But Bono's already done this. He's got 30 seconds. Oh my God, he fell off the bridge. What the hell has he done? It was nuts. <laughs> Absolutely insane. It was just insane. And I, it was amazing.
3: Incredible match. Um... Bono did get the win. That that 30 seconds wasn't entirely lost there. So Bono would move on to winners' finals. And then we would go into losers' finals. Marco versus Cariosa. Who, I mean, we've, we've been quite outspoken about this on the podcast before. Cariosa is somebody who was traditionally seen as a very inconsistent runner. Was very much like a surprise getting this far in the tournament. And... You know, I've said week in, week out when we've been doing the season three recaps, I'm like, I'm really surprised to see that Karius is doing as well as he is, but I'm really happy to see it. This race, I think, kind of highlighted that inconsistency a bit more. Um, There were some moments of kind of gambles that looked like they were a little too heavy on the gambles and some moments of execution that just didn't quite hold up. I guess partially because you're comparing
1: to Marco. Right. And just talking off of that, uh, Karyozo went early adult in this one while Marco did 3 song, and that's something a lot of people did to counterplay Marco in a sense, Mm -hmm. where I kind of kind of almost disagree at a point where you have i think more probably probability of just following him into three song because he plays very safe and very obvious most of the time that you probably like lose more from going adult in in some grant like because of how risky early adult is most of the time
2: yeah mm-hmm. i think some seeds in some races you you get away with it you go early adult you'll find a couple of things you'll do a bit of progression and you'll feel satisfied with what you did with early adult. You're like, you know what? Yeah, you know, it wasn't the best, but I managed to like get DC done, or I managed to dip go on C, dip Death Mountain Crater, get a song from there, something like that. But this early adult was just trash. You know, there was nothing there. It was the, the, you got Song of Storms, but it didn't really do much. You know, it unlocked the well, but the well was way of the hero, so it doesn't really matter. As soon as Marco goes adult, gets. Song of Storms that's just a clinic at that point so the early adult in this one was really bad it wasn't a bad choice it was just really bad like there was nothing there at all for Karyosa to sort of grasp and take a lead from
1: Yeah, we're in the kind of meta I want to say that I feel like a lot of the races decided on the like pretty often on the opener so like taking a fairly risky gamble as this and a really early is probably not the like if i play marco personally i think i would take more mid game risk opposed to really early games like this
3: right i think i think that's the key there yeah is like marco is generally a very efficient player and as a result can afford to be a bit more thorough and he is generally a very thorough player he will do all of the checks in an area as efficiently as he can if you're going to do three-some anyway, you might as well do it at the start. Go for the consistent opening and then take the risks on skipping one or two things later on, or, you know, picking the second best option when you're looking for your, like, divergence in the mid-to-late game. I, I kind of agree. Um To be fair, I think a lot of the time early adult is a good risk. In this situation, it wasn't just that it was one of the cases where early adult was bad it was also a case where the three song route was just absolutely stacked yeah <laughs> um two bomb bags in the deku tree so the odds of carriers of finding anything on that route were ridiculously low um you got letter in lost woods you got a bow in lost woods using the bomb bag that you got you got a scale you got just so much in that kind of Range all at once. And if you took the letter towards domain, you ended up with magic on Lake Hylia you know, There's, it, you're just picking up everything on the three song, and so almost that early adult versus three song decided a lot of this just straight away on its own.
2: Yeah, it was it was the god route for this seed, you know, the got the god route and to get everything, you just did three song, you did three song, into valley, into lake, and then the seed sort of just played itself at that point. And the only the only real I wanna say trouble, but not really, is is just DINS and GTG at the end, but everything kinda of pointed you there anyway, and it was just free, like and shout outs to uh I remember Seeing this when I was going over the highlights again, of Marco getting because there was iron boots on 30 skulls for Water Wave the hero, and Marco with 30 skulls at an hour 22, despite like it was just it was nuts. I can't believe he had that many skulls that fast. It was absolute crazy, and the the whole scene was laid out for him. So I do feel bad for Cariostra in a sense because if you take the gamble, then you just hope it pays off. But this was. so far away from paying off it was
3: unreal. Right, it's worth noting as well, like, the difference in their finish was 17 minutes but then probably about, you know, probably about 5 minutes of that was execution and the rest of it was just the time that Karyosa spent doing early adult for no gain otherwise like, if you cut that it's, yeah, they pretty much did the same route, the same gameplay, but Marco did three-song and got there first.
2: So, yeah, one of the extra things as well with this seed is that Karyosa to sort of, you know, borderline 40 to 50 minutes as child. Child Child-grown city didn't really pay out, and there were so many extra things you could do as adult with the items you found, with, you know, hookshot on Bomptu Bowling and just everything else that you rolled into, that once you lose all that time and you don't really come back from conceding a lead to Marco. Marco takes the lead and most of the time he keeps it and this was just one of those cases.
3: Right, and I think that's compounded as well because Zelda's Lullaby was quite late. It was on Burning Cack. So you're going to all of these places and doing a handful of checks here but you're almost always leaving something behind because you don't have that ZL. You know, Child Goron City but you can't go in and check Darunia. It, things like that, it's just, it's all going to compound into it that extra bit more
2: yeah lazy L is really rare as well ZL on burning cack is something you just don't see that often
3: yeah so as we say then Marco taking a win by about 17 minutes there a 218 to a 235 uh so setting up the rematch versus Banuru <laughs> in grand finals oh boy uh so double elimination so it's effectively in grand finals it's a best of three where bonuru starts one nil up and (laughs) i mean if their first race was anything to go by we were all expecting something big here and they did not disappoint
1: oh yeah they definitely delivered
2: i just remember thinking about it i was like man this is going to be a great race but I don't quite think it can live up to the hype of the first one. The first one was just so good that no matter <laughs> what happens in this race, you know, it's it's, it's just never going to have that sheen of the first race, 11 seconds. And then, and then we get the grand finals, <laughs> which blew my expectations out of the water. And yeah, it was such a wild ride. And just a repeat of all of the greatness that the winners' finals had.
3: I think it was a lot more clear-cut from watching. Like in the first, in the winners' finals, we were talking a lot about how they took completely different routes and then kind of met up near the end. And for a lot of this race, it looked like Bonuru was just miles ahead. Um. But then the end results didn't show that. It, I, I can't even tell you what changed. I can't tell you what happened. It just... It looked at first like Banuru was a good five or six minutes ahead throughout for like a solid hour or so. And then suddenly it was like, oh, and now they're like minutes apart.
2: Yeah, that's something I've noticed with Marco is that if you're ever like watching a race with him in it, even if he looks behind probably isn't and even if he is probably 30 seconds at most like you're, you're right in saying that you know it did look like bono had the lead for ages and it's like you know what this is a comfortable lead and then out of nowhere you start thinking and you're like wait a minute Marco only has this much to catch up on bono is only this far ahead maybe it is closer than we think and then one for alls Wind later. you're like... Holy shit, they're in the same room in Shadow Temple? What the hell?
1: <laughs> yeah. Because the big thing here was that Marco didn't have a hookshot for a, a, a bit long, if I remember.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the hookshot was... Um, I think it was Dodongo's Cabin, wasn't it? There was a hookshot in Dodongo's Cabin. Which oh, yeah, Bunuru went the to... Loaded
1: Dodongo's. Yeah, Bonuru
2: went to Dodongo's early. And when eventually Marcus, that was why we thought Marco was so behind because Marco just wasted so much time not going to Dodongo's cabin it was pretty much the last thing they did and then they just found everything, it's like well okay, time to unlock the seed and then go obviously go to Forest and go and do as much as they can uh, to catch up and again Marco had done Shadow without Hookshot so they got all the way up to the chest with the re set for all's wind and left, because that was early enough, uh, the seed. Wait, was it for all's wind or no? Did he just run through? He might have just ran through, I think. Yeah, no, he ran through. Yeah, because <laughs> Bono was in shadow and Marco just had to run through it to catch up. And because uh, you can't drop the shortcut, obviously, because you can't get past it. But he caught up so fast that they were in... I think Bono was going into the fan room as Marco was going into the pot room and it's just like no way, this can't be happening again and the from that point on the execution was really strong between the pair of them so there was no sort of big uh, swap in leads or anything like that and it all came down to Spirit Temple it all came down to that boss
1: key Oh, and that—that that was something too, because Bono was ahead by a, like still fairly like solidly a few, I want to say twenty seconds to thirty ahead entering spirits. He found the boss key really early. Marco did a different route where he did the child climb loop before doing the match chest. While Bono did match chest right away, and then Bono goes up. They they because I think they were just missing three. They were looking for three sm- two small keys and. so bono got those first goes up and he can skip like the whole back he still accidentally kills all the (laughs) noobuses and then he goes into the wall climb and fails the setup like three times where they just go in the room side up a few times and then just target hook the wall bono failed that like three times let marco catch up a little bit more after like it was like Bono read it better, but then Marco he just gave, it, gave him back the time, so it was like, well, I remember, we're almost even again. I remember
3: being really surprised by that, because Bono had bombs equipped, and surely after you fail the setup the first time, you just kill the BMOS and hook shot up.
2: Nope. Like... <laughs> Three attempts later, it's like, oh, Bono, you don't realize how much time you're wasting here. Dude, just just, just bomb them, please. And then Marco gets frozen by Twin Rover the second that they jump on the platform. It's like
1: ah, oh, there
2: goes ten seconds. Oh my god!
1: Yeah, that was a bit unlucky. Where they're, they're basically entering Twin Rover at the same time, right? Like I, I want to say it's like maybe Bono five seconds ahead. Like, like Twin Rover can decide it. <laughs> Bono just enters. Okay, gets a pretty nice. I think he got the. Perfect cycle, and then Marco just enters. I was just gonna shoot you right away. <laughs> Screw you.
2: Yeah, I was so unlucky. And then Bono, <laughs> thankfully, got like, you could argue perfect twin rover. Yeah, RNG. they
1: shot pretty much right away as soon as they stopped. Yeah.
2: So. And that was it. There was just no, no catching up that last sort of, fifteen or so seconds you needed, and then. Bono takes the lead by 12 seconds. One second more than the winner's finals. Yeah, the f- Absolutely unreal. A combined
3: 23 seconds giving Bono a 2-0 two, effectively over Marco.
2: Yeah. It's a shame that... I mean, I say it's a shame. If that was an actual best of three, like, just there was no sort of loser's finals in between, that is the best sequence of matches you have ever seen. Just those two are on their own. It's just phenomenal you can't ask for a better best of three than that it was so you could good.
1: almost tell right away from the start of this whole tournament where bono was just effectively playing a lights out same i mean same for marco so them having that those intense great matches was just it was almost expected and they definitely delivered
3: so outside of the podcast like i know we've spoken about this before Riley. there was a stretch last year before qualifiers probably about August through to about October, and it was something like 11 weeklies in a row where Bono didn't finish outside of the top three. There was yeah, one I... race where he'd forfeited because of a crash or something, and yeah. every other one he was top three. Marco had a couple of like sixth or seventh place finishes, but won like half of that same period. And so yeah. you knew that these two from. Going back, like, a year, you could tell that these two were always going to be at the top of the game, and they didn't disappoint getting there. Alrighty, so... Quickly, to go through a couple of things, um, what do we think did or didn't work in the tournament? What, what played out well? What needs to be considered next time? Um counting qualifiers in this you know does is the point system good um with the changes
1: to settings good etc um i'll start by saying I, I know a lot of people complained about the point system and i think it was handled as best as it could compared to what it was last season and it was much much fairer
3: right so obviously me and chimp were both uh somewhat involved in the development of that system and we you know we all knew there were flaws with it but every solution to those problems brings up bigger problems. Yeah,
2: I just like I don't think there's a better method that any no one has ever suggested a better method for points at this stage. Like I think it was Moraxus did a lot of the work um, into sort of getting that built up, and they did an incredible job of just sort of demonstrating how it would look and tweaking with different values and whatnot, and honestly I think it worked really well so I know that not being near the top like top 32 or anything like that uh, the points to me mean slightly less because I know that like going into the qualifiers I'm like you know what I'm probably gonna get 600 points a race I'm just in it for a laugh hell if I can get top 64 amazing so when it actually comes down to the nitty-gritty of each of those points mattering to me it's a little less important because I'm not one of those top 32 slash... I guess you could say 45, 48 runners that are in that sort of group of dividing for the top 32. But for me, it felt fine. I never had any issues with the points. I think it was very fair. The only thing that you could notice and something that we could not predict was that three seeds in a row were absolute Jets including two multiple world records oh god yeah more than that (laughs) so (laughs) so when it came to points it was very obvious that actually these points uh, they do sting a little if it's jet seed and then the next seed is a jet seed it's like oh my god these sting a little harder if it's a jet seed so maybe the only thing to work on is just balancing it so that jet seeds don't punish you so hard if you don't finish you know if you don't get top twenty in a jet seed, you don't get punished as much. I think there might be some some work to do there, if anything.
3: Right. I do think the biggest thing with the point system, I don't think it was the point system that was flawed. I think it's more, it was, RNG didn't play out very well. it was like the random rolling seeds just happened to give a very weighted set, and so some people may have been overseeded or under I would say the top 32 that we got was quite a good representative top 32. I thought that was a really good pool. And there were a couple of people you could argue maybe could have been in there. But nobody nobody who you would be like, they 100% should have made it. And nobody in the top 32 100% shouldn't have.
2: Yeah. I think we've got a really strong... I want to say top 50 maybe maybe it's a little different now what you know where it about six months later but i think at the time it was like you had a top 50 and you could kind of see any of them making it into top 32. don't get me wrong you have your top 10 and those top 10 don't really have a chance of not finishing in the top 32 but between that and the sort of 50th place you could be like you know what there's there's room for any one of those folks to get in there and you wouldn't really be too surprised there were was, was some omissions in top 32 for sure but no one that I as you said there like oh actually they definitely should have been there because anyone that replaced them was should have got there as well so it was just really competitive honestly which is great
3: and yeah like the only way to change that would be to like fix the qualifiers to have a balance of like Jets and AD and stuff like that and nobody wants that nobody wants yeah, yeah definitely not weighted quals or whatever. Um in terms of settings, basically the only big change was ice traps, which then disappeared for weeklies and then came back junk. on yeah. uh junk items. That, at least in the top 32, was an incredibly oh well my received God. change. Yes. <laughs> um I think the the so for everyone who doesn't know, the top thirty two runners all got like a questionnaire to fill in so that commentators could have some information to go off about the runners, you know, from things like, how do you pronounce your username, to what got you playing OOTR, what other speed games have you played, like, um, one of the questions was, what is your favourite part of the tournament settings? And I think over half the people put no ice traps as their response.
2: It doesn't surprise me. Like, you've seen so many people get burned by that. I remember... I don't remember the exact qualifier, but I remember commentating a qualifier. It might—I'm not even sure if it was a qualifier. It might have actually been a season two bracket match, but there was a hook shot on the archway in Colossus, and the runners busted a gut to find everything they needed to get that hook shot, which was the first hook shot. They didn't have another one. It's like, right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go get a bean. I'm gonna go plant it. I'm gonna go find Requiem so I can get there. So on and so forth. Grab it ice trap and that is 25 minutes of hard routing around this hook shot gone in just literally up in flames
3: right the thought process behind that one was very much we don't want to punish people for making the correct quote unquote correct play and at that point playing to the like you know there are six ice traps in the entire game six in whatever chance that this check happens to be the ice trap You you shouldn't be playing into
2: that. No one should. No one should Um, lose because they grabbed what they thought was an essential (laughs) item, and then somehow their entire route gets thrown off. Or uh, like you say, they made the right play, and then they lost because they made the right play. It just it feels bad, and you know there's a lot of you know I want to say sort of. Viewing appeal to having ice traps. The people that watch the restreams, the people that watch the races, love ice traps, especially when they're in the worst of places known to man. You know, Ruhr's letter check is an ice trap, horrible, but everyone loves to see it, and it's it's great for them. But from a competitive stance in a serious tournament, which was you know it was you it's it wasn't it wasn't welcome, and I think overall it received really well. I think it was the right choice. And I guess now that we have ice traps on junk items only, it sort of solves the problem, so it shouldn't change in the future.
3: Hmm. Is there anything else that we think that either of you can think of that is similar to that in the current settings? Something that maybe should be changed moving forward specifically for the tournaments. I know a lot of people debated the uh, lens logic or tricks enabled
2: yeah lens logic was an interesting one because I know um it was lens everywhere for the qualifiers last season and then it was changed to wasteland uh yeah for season two and then it was wasteland and treasure chess minigame only um and wait was it no no it no no it was treasure it was wasteland and chess minigame only and then it changed to just chess minigame um, if I remember rightly for season 2 something something along those lines um, and I think just keeping those settings makes sense, you go into the qualifiers with the mindset around the logic and working out the logic and you keep that mindset in the brackets, whereas if the logic changes you then have to think about different things and I think it's Especially if you get someone that's not like, you know, your Marco or your Benuru or whatever If you get someone that actually still really relies on that logic, you know, really good execution But just really relying on that sort of mindset of, right, this is in logic That's not in logic because of Lens, fine, let's leave it alone As soon as you take that away, you give the advantage to the runners that are just, you know Top top five, top five runners immediately get an extra advantage for you just having to think a little more And that just seems a bit harsh um, so I think the way that it was done uh, for this season I think was good. I don't think lens should, logic should change from the way it is. I think it, it works pretty well as it is right now, um, especially when you compare it to the, <laughs> the Scrubs tourney, which uh, I think everyone hates lens everywhere. So, uh...
3: Right. I'm I'm a very big proponent of I don't know what the logic should be, what tricks should be enabled in the weeklies or the lens logic for weeklies or whatever, but or if qualifiers should be different to the weeklies potentially. But the thing that I am very determined with is the qualifiers should be the same as the bracket. If your lens logic is dictating the hints you get and how much you have to read into like potential baits and things like that, that should be the same throughout. You shouldn't have to consider bait more in the qualifiers and then less in the bracket. No, I agree. And so the one other big thing that happened was this tournament was the first season where there was a new version of the randomizer partway through the tournament. Um, so Light Arrows could no longer be hinted way the hero except the tournament's still running on the older version.
1: Was that a good decision, do we think? I think it's a safe decision uh. in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Uh, they, the whole qualifier was on this, then the brackets on this, it kind of makes sense. But it could still have been, have been something that's You could have asked the runners, uh, even the ones that like, even, because I think there was some people eliminated from tournament. Maybe that's why it wasn't, it wouldn't have been fair to those people, because it...
3: I feel like it kind of ties in with what we were just saying about the lens as well, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's... Everyone
3: qualified on 5.1, so then updating to 5.2 going, well, it's a new version, play this one.
2: I think it was, see, initially I thought, right, it's the right decision. Keep it at 5.1. That makes perfect sense. And I couldn't really see any issues with that going forwards. But looking back on it, I think one of the other only issues with the tournament actually hurt this decision as well, which was the fact that scheduling wasn't a thing for at least half this tournament. You know, There was no real urgency to schedule. There was no time limits or anything like that. And so the tournament went on went on for a lot longer than, uh, than yeah, than anticipated for sure. So when you think about well, 5.2 is coming out, but you know we're we're halfway through the brackets. It's fine, you know. Let's keep it on 5.1, and then it'll only be a few weeks, maybe a month and a half, and we'll be done, and it won't actually be an issue. But it turned out to last so much longer than that that it confused. Viewers, it confused commentators, it confused a lot of people because you'd be like, Well, that can't be Light Arrows. Like, no, don't forget, guys, it's not still on 5.1. It's like, Ah, oh, man. So, I think it was still the right decision, but I think the fact that the tournament went on for too long actually made it something which shouldn't have been, you know, it's, it should have been something to speak, as, as you mentioned there, Riley, speak to the participants about. Um, Especially when there's so many weeklies and practice races on 5.2 in between then, that you're getting used to the fact that Light Arrows can't be on uh, on Away the Hero, and that uh, essentially hints were buffed, which they were in 5.2. And it, yeah, it just went on for too long, and I think it ended up hurting that decision in the end. But not because that decision was wrong, if that
0: makes sense.
3: And i th- I think it's something we could do an entire episode on, But I think part of the reasoning behind that is the time period between the Chamber of Sages being appointed and having the season three rules public was maybe two weeks, three weeks. The the time span there was incredibly short. And I think between both this one being built on by the next Chamber and also hopefully having a bit more time next time to develop those rules i think it is something that will improve moving forwards as well it's something that you know pretty much every single one of us looked at and went oh this is a real problem we have to deal with this at some point but because there was that initial rush a lot of things kind of fell through the gaps
2: yeah i think that's fair as you say um the, 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 I remember joining the Sages and the very first thing from Trezco was right guys let's sort out season 3 and I was like oh god <laughs> I've been here for 5 minutes okay. can we do something a little simpler first
3: alrighty I think I think that's it in terms of uh, the settings and changes then I think we've covered most of the big things there uh, I'm sure we'll get yelled at in the feedback about you know why didn't you talk about this thing We still can. But I guess the last thing is to go over a couple of our personal highlights from the tournament. Just a couple of quick rapid fire things of things that were amazing moments. Everyone should go check out this thing or that thing, like big matches. We've already spoken indefinitely, like talk to the end of time about Marco versus Bono and still will. And that will always be my first pick.
1: If you haven't gone and watched it, if you're listening to this, like go and make yourself a favor and go watch both of those matches. They're they're literally incredible. They they teach you so much about the game and how to play and how to think that it's it's they're just definitely worth watching.
3: Yeah, I think if you've ever played The Ocarina of Time Randomizer, just watching at least the first match between those two is a must. I just it, it's just the single best randomised race, probably, arguably the single best race I have ever seen for any competitive game. There were, of course, a few others. I know um, we were talking earlier, the first race of the tournament kicked us off in style. Uh, we were on comms for this one, but more notably, the French commentary for this one was outstanding.
1: Um, I mean, we should just make... A shout out to Necro and Marco for taking care of the French side for uh, the whole tournament. Uh, if you at any point tuned in, it was always hype and always great. so that was genuinely quite a lot of races where I watched the French commentary.
3: I don't under- I don't speak a word of French <laughs> but there were quite a lot of races where I would watch the French commentary just because of how invested everyone was and how dramatic it was at times. And yeah, that started straight away in the first race, was um, Sponge versus Maido. Mido does Gorilla Valley loop, finds a hint that 50 Skulls has a bomb bag, and then another hint that the Skull Kid has a bomb bag. Skull Mask, sorry, Skull Mask has a bomb bag, and Mido goes and gets that one. Sponge, I think, got the 50 hint and ignored it, but didn't get the Skull Mask one, and goes in this wild roundabout route that takes him to GTG in under an hour. And finds a bomb bag in the lobby. And we I, I reacted quite a lot. The French commentary fucking exploded. <laughs> exploded. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, that was just kind of the start of it. It's like, that's how the tournament started. You knew things were going to just go amazingly from throughout. Because it was just, yeah, that was a wild start. And it it didn't
2: slow down. Uh, but yeah, I think one of one of my personal favorites uh, has to have been Marco versus what the hell's happened, and just the big old bottleneck that was that seed when we 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 knew that there the one location left in that entire game, and it was the shoot the sun, and there was no sun song available at all. And we knew that through process of elimination it had to be something. And there was like three or four items at that point. that could have been, uh, you know, those, those strength to get into Spirit Temple. I think there was another couple of items to get into other dungeons. And we're like, okay, well, let's see what it's got. And then down floats the fucking Lens of Truth. And you're like, no, no way. No way on earth. And then Treasure Chest minigame. Gold scale! And you're like, what the hell is happening? This is ridiculous. That bottleneck was one of the best bottlenecks I've ever seen. The gold scale to get into the Tektite grow to get strength to, after last locationing the lens, was ludicrous. You couldn't have planned it better. It was absolutely perfect.
1: Yeah. And, and that was without sun song too. So they had... They, I think they both waited like almost a minute, like, just in front of the sun, like... <laughs> What is yeah. this gonna well, That's be? why it
2: was last location, because it was like, who who chooses to do shoot the sun without Sun Song, you know? Unless you can do Water Temple, which you, you couldn't yeah. <laughs> cause there was no iron boots or no gold scale, cause your gold
3: scale was in treasure chest minigames like oh my god. Oh wild. On that note, by the way, another big highlight with also with shoot the sun was um it was what the hell's versus glitchy? Where Oh yeah (laughs) They both finished water and went to shoot the sun and Glitchy just stood too far away. He just he wasn't on the platform, so he missed it. And then just warped away. Oh god, yeah, I remember that. I just remembered that. (laughs) And they last locationed, I think it was Din's Fire on the central pillar of water. But when what that they both kind of warped there to go in Kind of back-to-back. Glitchy went there first, but waited out the full night to get Shoot the Sun first. And that gave what-the-hells enough time to get into water and get ahead. And, like, just that alone decided the entire race. And Glitchy was just... I mean, he said it himself. He was playing on tilt at that point. But, oh my god. I mean, it's, it's
2: so easy to tilt when you just don't have... You know, when you're hours in and you're like, man, that's just where the fuck is the last thing I'm looking for? You know, and it's it's so easy to tilt. And of which, <laughs> uh, ATZ versus Killer App, where ATZ and Killer App both last locationing. Well, I guess it was second last location for ATZ, but they didn't know it because the Twin Rover Stone Spirit Twin Rover. Had Ruto's lair. Now, there's, there's much more behind that story in the sense that they both full cleared spirit apart from Twin Rover. They did the whole thing, which was wave the hero spirit. They full cleared it, found I think Iron Boots or something like that. There was a hobbit, so was, yeah, yeah, that was it. Then they left and it was like, well, there's nothing else in spirit. Both left Twin Rover. There was a slingshot on 30 skulls. There's no other slingshot in this seed, but there was a slingshot on 30 skulls, which unlocked one of the last two checks, the target uh target minigame in the woods. It was down to that King Zora, because they had both wallets, and it was down to Twin Rover. And we saw everything. We saw shooting target in the woods about five seconds before we saw Ruto's letter. It was like it was like, well whoever's made the right choice here is one because you had Killer App on Twin Rover.
1: Yeah. Killer app said, screw thirty skulls, I'm going for Twin Rover. ATZ said but I think he wanted to do it Twin River originally, so he kind of, like, forgot about it. Mm. So he was like, okay, this is like, right. 30 skulls, slingshot, target in the woods.
3: The other big thing with that one was it wasn't just Spirit was Way of a Hero, because you've already found something there, that's fine. But it was also Graveyard was Way of a Hero, and all it had, had was Nocturne and Fire Arrows. And they were still missing Din's Fire. So, either they're about to find Din's Fire in the Nocturne's Way of the Hero, or those Fire Arrows do something, and it turns out those Fire Arrows did something, they locked a key for Spirit to go to Twin Rover, the other item in Spirit was not Fire locked in any way. So, yeah, that was just, that was an incredible race in so many ways, and, and Killer App. You know, taking down the big names yeah. again. It feels like it's
2: killer app thinner. Just watching ATZ for like the second of three seasons, dropping to losers bracket in round one. It's like, what? I can't be seeing this again. Surely. And lo and behold, ATZ literally forgets Twin Rover exists. Starts doing some shield drops in Lost Woods, and then after about two minutes, <laughs> realizes that they haven't done Twin Rover. Oh boy, that was great.
1: Yeah. Uh, an- another moment that I think a lot of people enjoyed is Engineer basically started, skipped all of Mido's house and rushed Chickens. Except one I I don't remember who what it was hells? against that he it was did against rush. what the hell's? Oh, yeah. It was against what the hells, and Chickens had basically nothing in all of them. He still rushed them because, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a meta. I think it's just more of, like, he likes like it's a mean play where it's I mean it's obviously not very good and but the one time he doesn't do it because it's against what the hell's and he doesn't want like to mess around it actually like bottles neck the, the whole seed basically <laughs> so yeah that was, was magic that was, that was great as well I think it was I uh, on oh, it was shot, a long shot right? okay
3: yeah and he's very much somebody who plays the crowd a lot. He's, uh, yeah. I, I've loved watching some of his races because you'll see that he does certain things in certain ways that nobody else would do. He thinks of strats that, you know, you just might not have thought of. And a lot of it is that he'll just, he'll think completely outside the box. And part of that is also, he'll do some checks. There are some rooting things that he does where you're like, is this actually a good play or is this a meme? And I can't quite tell because <laughs> it's engineer. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Just so funny, though. Yeah, the one time he didn't rush it immediately and do it first check of the game was the one time it actually had something. God. Alrighty. Hell of a tournament. Hell of a season three. Amazing,
2: yeah. Loved every minute of it.
3: Yeah.
1: Now begins the countdown to season four. Yeah. Which should be... Starting in fall, I want to say. Obviously, there's no set date for that. Trez is being
2: very deliberately vague in saying fall. (laughs) So, uh, right now, that's all we've got. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, obviously, the anticipation builds towards season four, who will be uh, in with Riley in the winner's finals.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I will, yeah, (laughs) definitely. Oh, yeah. All right. For now, that'll do it for us.
3: This week on the podcast, um, I will say, join us again in two weeks. We already know what our topic's going to be. We will be doing a recap of the multi world tournament, uh, talking with, I was going to say our champion, but we're always talking with our, one of our champions, not on mm.
1: this one. Um, I wonder who that
3: is. But yeah, join us again in two weeks for that. And thank you for listening today.
2: Yep. and if you have any feedback on the podcast how it went what we could do better what you enjoyed please drop us a line on the Gossip Stone podcast channel on the OOT Randomizer Discord we are very welcoming of feedback we'd definitely like to hear what you think uh, any suggestions for what you'd like to get as topics as well um, but yeah just drop us a line on there we will gladly take any feedback you might have and with that I've been Chimpan Reeve
1: I'm Riley and I'm Yoshi and we'll see y'all next time on the Gossip Stone podcast.